What does the future hold for Matthew Barzal? Could the Islanders lose their best player next offseason? We've got that, plus an in-depth look at how the Islanders can attract more free agents. All that and more coming up on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Sark tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So glad you could join us today and be part of the Locked On Islanders family. And thank you for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We've got a lot to discuss on today's show, but first, if you've got something Islanders related on your mind, if you have a question, a comment, a topic you'd like us to discuss on the show, Feel free to send us an email, the email address LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com, and we'll get to one of these emails a little bit later on in today's show. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news, notes, and happenings throughout this offseason free agency, trade rumors, anything going on about this team, you'll hear about it right here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. And just again to remind everybody, this week we go to a three uh, show a week schedule. So new shows will drop Monday, Wednesday, Friday. They drop on YouTube a little after uh, at midnight. Uh, So Sunday night at midnight, Tuesday night at midnight, Thursday night at midnight, and uh, up on the podcatchers on, on audio only, they drop around 12.25 a.m. the day before. So, again, Sunday around 12.25, Tuesday and Thursday. But three shows a week now as things are slowing down for the dog days of summer. But, of course, if there is major breaking news, we will come in immediately with a new podcast and, and get that to you as soon as it happens. So, let's talk a little bit about what's been going on. Friday, uh, over the weekend, late Friday evening, the Calgary Flames trading Matthew Kachuk, who we talked about last week. He doesn't go to the Islanders, no shock there. He doesn't go to St. Louis, where a lot of people thought he was going to go, because that's where he spent a lot of his childhood. His father played there, etc. He ends up going to the Florida Panthers, and... What we saw this offseason is both Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk 
leaving Calgary, uh, demanding to get, you know, Kachuk demanding the trade, Goudreau signing elsewhere, and this is the first time in NHL history that an NHL team loses two 100-plus point players from the previous season during the offseason, so immediately, as someone who covers the Islanders and, and follows the Islanders religiously, I began to think about the Islanders' struggles to retain some of their own free agents. And obviously, John Tavares comes to mind where he went back to his childhood team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, ends up posting on uh, social media a picture of him sleeping at the age of, I think it was 10, give or take, wearing Maple Leafs pajamas. And, and, you know, we got the idea. Okay, John Tavares, he's always been a fan of the Leafs, wants to go closer to home, play there, and Islander fans, a lot of them and a lot of us still kind of miffed at Tavares for, you know, the way he handled it, not letting the Islanders know sooner, leading the Islanders on, so to speak, and then bolting for Toronto. And then the question becomes, what about Matthew Barzal? Now, Barzal is going to be a restricted free agent a year from now, next offseason. But, uh, as we saw happen with Matthew Kachuk, if you let the team know, hey, I'm not re-signing. Uh, I do not want to return. You get a situation like that, then, you know, the Islanders may be in a similar situation to the Flames where they have to find a way to trade uh, Matthew Barzal, their most dynamic offensive player, and find a new home for him. And the speculation about Barzy has always been, oh, there's an expansion team in Seattle that is as close to where Barzal grew up as you're going to get, and maybe it would make sense for Matthew Barzal, who is from British Columbia, uh, to sign a, a deal with the Seattle Kraken and go home, so to speak. Or, you know, it would either be that or Vancouver would be the two closest teams to uh, where he grew up and he did play some of his junior hockey in Seattle. Here's the situation. A lot of Islander fans are concerned that if the Islanders do not bring in that goal-scoring winger to team with Barzal, somebody who can help maximize his talent. The odds are he's going to feel, hey, I'm not getting supported here. I do not have the tools, the teammates on this team to maximize my ability. And I think if you look at Matthew Barzal's career statistics... His best year, by far, statistically, his first season, he won the Calder Trophy. Scored 22 goals, that's a career high. 63 assists, both of those career highs. And 85 points, now he's never had more than 62 points in a season since then. Now obviously, that was the year before Lamorello and Trotz arrived. The Islanders were a much more wide-open team. They didn't, uh, 
they, they scored a lot more goals, but they also gave up a lot more goals. And Barzal was the number two on the number two line, the number two center, because John Tavares, who was then in his final year with the Islanders, was the number one. I think that if Barzal doesn't get the help he needs, and I don't know whether that happens before the season starts or at the trade deadline, but at some point before the uh, the, the trade deadline of the coming season, his incentive to stay goes down significantly unless the Islanders go on some kind of a long playoff run or one of the younger players, and I guess the, the big realistic possibilities, well, let's say one is Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, you know, unless a guy like Wallstrom steps up and becomes that 30-goal guy, and I don't think he's quite ready to do it this year, although we'll see if the change from Barry Trotz to Lane Lambert accelerates his development, then, you know, if the Islanders don't make the playoffs and they don't make a move, I could more than understand why Matthew Barzal might want to skip town. Now, if I'm Lou Lamorello, I would be spending time now trying to sign Matthew Barzal to an extension. If you lose Matthew Barzal from this particular group without making a major move, I think you are almost in a rebuilding mode, whether you want to admit it or not. This is your most dynamic offensive player, one of the few players on this roster with a lot of elite speed. He's still young at the age. He just turned 25 in May. Overall, Matthew Barzal, the Islanders can't let him get away because it would really reinforce the perception that players, especially star players, don't want to come to Long Island, and that would be just a disaster. And you look back at just in recent years, the last three or four years, losing Tavares, failing to get Panarin, failing to get Goudreau. Uh, you can go up and down the list, but at the end of the day, the Islanders haven't signed a big ticket free agent in a very long time. And that needs to change for this team to take the next step forward. We will discuss a little bit more why the Islanders have difficulty attracting free agents and how they could change that perception all coming from a listener email. We'll break all of that down for you. That plus our Islanders birthday of the day still to come on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports scores and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live, in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, 
I got a lengthy and very, very detailed email uh, from Dave on Long Island. And Dave, number one, thank you for the kind words about the podcast and for this very in-depth email. And he wrote it in, in reaction to Friday's show when I asked the rhetorical question, has the game passed Lou Lamorello by? And I said, no, it really hasn't, but there are some issues, and I went to spell out the issues. And basically, he says, let's pretend we aren't Islander fans, and look at the big picture. We are pretending to be prospects or top players for a moment. What things do you think of when you consider playing for the New York Islanders? Let's cover some perceptions First, the obvious, and he goes through. Number one, they haven't won anything in 40 years. Yeah, they got close, but good point, uh, Dave. Haven't won anything since 1983. Haven't been to the Stanley Cup final since 1984. They have a boring style, which will probably hurt your production and thus your career. Yeah, I mean, the defense first style. As we saw with Matthew Barzal's uh, situation, definitely have hurt his numbers. And there are a lot of players out there who are willing to sacrifice individual statistics for team glory. That is, you know, a true champion. But at the same time, if you're going to make that sacrifice, you need to know that there's a very good chance that you're going to make that long playoff run, that you're going to have a real chance to win a Stanley Cup or at least come close. Uh, Next perception that Dave discusses, they are old and slow, and they aren't quick on upgrading needs. I think all of that is true. Then he discusses some of the other factors, like location, something the Islanders obviously don't have a lot of control over, saying Long Island is not a top tourist or vacation destination. So, no, in that respect, if you're saying I'm going to live on Long Island, you're not competing with South Beach if you want to sign with the Panthers or, uh, you know, some of those other locations that fan uh, players may really be excited to visit, whether it's L.A. or Boston or even Washington, D.C., but... You know, Long Island is a great place to grow up and to raise a family. And I remember uh, hearing somebody talking about how they convinced Al Arbor to sign as coach of the Islanders. Now, this is still going all the way back to 1973, but I think it largely is true where, you know, Al Arbor's perception was, okay, this is New York City. Well, no, Long Island is not New York City. You could be in the city in an hour or less and have all the advantages of the city, but on Long Island, you have beaches. You can go fishing. It, uh, you know, it's a great place to raise a family, and for players who are thinking along those lines, you certainly have golf, fishing, uh, boating, you know, nice places to live Uh, and yet the city is convenient. So, you know, there is that. Uh, Wineries, if you want to go out east, traffic is obviously a concern, but you can't tell me it's not a concern in L.A. or Chicago or New New York City or any of these other places. So I, I think overall you can overcome the location aspect with a little salesmanship. 
Reputation is another thing that Dave discussed. And I think reputation, the Islanders have not had a great reputation as an organization until recently when Lou Lamorello and then, you know, Barry Trotz came in and gave the team a duo of a Hall of Fame coach and a Hall of Fame GM and probably a future Hall of Fame coach. Now Lane Lambert has replaced them. But here's the thing about reputations. It takes time. And, you know, going to -to back-to-back conference finals helps, but then not making the playoffs at all last year kind of put a damper on them. And the thing about reputation, it's usually a couple of years lagging so that, you know, you do well for two or three years in a row, then the perception starts to change. And I think the Islanders stumbling last year and now losing Barry Trotz kind of hurt that reputation to an extent. Then you break down the team. It is an older team. And the way Dave described it, this is a, they're not a great team. They're just a good team doing great things with grit and effort and the style that they play, which does require a lot of work for players. So that that could be construed as a negative in part because it's hard to sustain that kind of effort. You can overachieve for a year, two, but the thing about an overachieving team, which the Islanders clearly were the two years they reached the conference final, it's not easy to continue to overachieve. You either have to get better or the slightest little disruption can derail an overachieving team. And the Islanders had about four major disruptions last year between starting the season on the road, losing players to COVID, having all those games rescheduled and starting in a new arena that they didn't know and weren't familiar with. All of those things sort of worked against the Islanders last year. And they weren't, as an overachieving team, able to overcome them. Then the fans. I think the fans on Long Island are a big attraction. They are loud. They are passionate. They are loyal. You, the Islander fans, should be a big selling point. And I think the history of the Islanders could also be a selling point if this team utilized the alumni more effectively. And I want to see... Bob Nystrom more often. I want to see Brian Trottier, Pat LaFontaine, uh, Dennis Potvin. I want to see these guys doing more things in the community and maybe even helping to recruit some more players to this organization. Now, another thing that, uh, that Dave discusses is marketing of the team. And I think, you know, That is something that we're not going to get into in depth now, but obviously they can market the team a little bit better to the local fans. Uh, Dave said they market the team more like toward, uh, like they were a city team rather than a suburban team. That's, I I think, a topic for a different show. I would even want to give it its own segment at some point. But these are some of the obstacles that the Islanders face. And Dave, I want to thank you for a long and in-depth email. And 
I, I really think you make a lot of good points here, which is why I try to address them and sort of uh, just expand on them a little bit when I could. If I read the whole email, I, I think it would take up more than one show. But Dave, thank you so much. And I think you made so many good points here. And hopefully the perception can change. The beautiful thing about perception is that if you make one big successful move, sometimes that big move can change everybody's perception. And I'll make the analogy back to this. The New York Jets signing Joe Namath in 1965 didn't just change the perception of the Jets, which it did. It changed the perception of the American Football League. Or if you go back to Reggie White signing with the Green Bay Packers in 1992. Before that, Green Bay was considered a place nobody wanted to play. They went out and signed the biggest name in free agency, and suddenly Green Bay was a place that a lot of people were willing to play in because they had Reggie White, they had Brett Favre at that time, they started to win, and all of a sudden it was no longer thought of as, a, as the Siberia of the National Football League. A big move can change the Islanders' perception quickly. The question is whether or not Lou Lamarillo is willing, ready, and able to do it this offseason. We've got more to get to on the show. We've got our Islanders' birthday of the day, a Russian forward who spent four season, uh, five seasons excuse me, on the island in the early 2000s. That and more still to come on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Time now for our Islanders' birthday of the day, and Tuesday will be the 44th birthday of former Islanders winger Oleg Kavasha, the native of Moscow, originally drafted by the Panthers in the third round of the 1996 NHL entry draft, and he joined the Panthers in 1998-99, came over to the Islanders for the 2000-2001 season, and as I said, spent four and a half seasons with the Islanders. His most productive year, 2003-2004, 15 goals, 51 points in 81 games. Kabasha had good speed, uh, was never a prolific goal scorer, kind of a 10 to 15 goal a year guy, but he had speed and he can make some plays. He fit in well with those Islander teams in the early 2000s that went to three straight playoff years uh, but weren't able to win a series. And, you know, his speed and his and his ability to, to stay with other players defensively also helping Oleg Kavasha be successful. We go back to one of his better games with the Isles. March 25, 2002, at the Nassau Coliseum. The Rangers in town. Dan Blackburn, the goalie for the Rangers, and it was the Wizard of Oz, Chris Osgood, in goal for the New York Islanders. It was the Islanders getting on the board first with Matthew Barnaby off for tripping. Ofsky getting one assist, Michael Pekka the other at 255. Islanders up one to nothing, but the Rangers tie it midway through the period at even strength. Theo Fleury is 24th from Rem Murray and Matthew Barnaby. After 20 minutes, we're all even at 1-1. One and one. No scoring in the second period, but in the third period, it was the Rangers taking the lead. Roman Leshenko 
His second from Tom Podian, Mikhail Samuelson at 517. Islanders trailing 2-1. to one. But Oleg Kavasha, our Islanders birthday of the day, ties it at 13-18. His seventh from Kip Miller and Kenny Janssen. Time of the goal, 13-18. We're even at two. And then a little less than four minutes later, Kavasha again, his eighth from Marius Tchaikovsky and Dave Scatchard at 17-15. That gave the Islanders a 3-2 lead and an empty net goal by Claude Lapointe, his eighth from Adrian Acoyne. It's 19-57. Closes out the scoring. The Islanders beat the Rangers 4-2, 27 saves for Chris Osgood. But for our Islanders' birthday of the day, Oleg Kavasha only played 8 minutes and 51 seconds. Scored two goals on four shots on goal. And, of course, one of those goals was the game winner. So, for Oleg Kavasha, uh, who is 44 years old today, he is our Islanders' birthday of the day. Want to hear more of your thoughts about how the Islanders can overcome this reputation of uh, team players not wanting to sign with this team, feel free to either mention it on Twitter, make a comment on YouTube, or send us an email. Always interested in hearing what the fans have to say. And Dave from Long Island, again, thank you so much for this very insightful email that we can certainly discuss more if people want to hear more. Thanks again for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute podcast. Once again, we will be back on Wednesday as we go to a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule now during the offseason. If the Islanders make a move, we will bring it to you right away. We will not hesitate uh, to have a show immediately, so make sure you watch for that if and when the Islanders do make that hockey move. But until then, stay safe, stay cool. Hopefully it's going to start cooling off soon. And of course, let's go Islanders.